The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Hey guys, I just wanted to let you know that this podcast is presented by mybookie.ag and that if you use the promo code MATTEK, M-A-T-T-E-K, that you will get a 50% deposit bonus on your first deposit. And given that you are a listener to this podcast, I would assume you're relatively knowledgeable about sports and I would trust you to try your edge on the online sports book. You can lay down some money and get in on the action at one of the safest online sports books in the world. It's the only one that I am currently using. You can wager on all sorts of different outcomes on mybookie.ag, soccer, football, any major league, esports. You can even create your own player props, which is useful for me because if you know anything about me, I do enjoy uh, a good player prop. So if you deposit using the promo code MATTEK, M-A-T-T-E-K, you get a you get a 50% de- bonus when you deposit and i will add this for listeners of the takecast if you deposit using the promo code matic and you send proof of it to me on twitter i will follow you on twitter and you can have access to me via dms whenever you want that's the that's the takecast bonus that i'm adding in association with the mybookie.ag deposit bonus now let's get back to the show Hello, everyone, and welcome to the TakeCast. My name is Davis Maddock. You can find me on Twitter at Davis Maddock. The TakeCast is presented by our proud sponsor, Daily Roto, and we'll have an ad read for them coming up in a little bit. Today's episode, I think a lot of you will really like, as you do most of the episodes. My guest is Matt Harmon from Yahoo Sports. We, of course, talk uh, about football, probably about a half hour of football talk. You know, we talk about wide receivers. We talk about some of the head coaching hires the shifting archetype of players that are doing well in today's NFL. Uh, We discuss the overall conversation about football and how people on Twitter choose to discuss the game and fantasy sports. I think that's a particularly interesting conversation. And then about halfway through, we uh, switch tones and just talk about about life. We, We get into Matt and I's obsession with cooking and fitness. We talk about some physical health and some mental health things, a little bit of Gordon Ramsay talk, you know, a a hero, someone that uh, both Matt and I look up to. And I think you guys will enjoy that discussion about real life as well. Uh, of course, if you want to support the show, you can leave a rating and review on iTunes. Always super appreciated. And if you really like the show, we have bonus episodes coming on almost a daily basis on the patreon.com uh, slash takecast. You're getting a showdown episodes for all of the playoff games. You are getting bonus episodes of the show uh, where we just, you know, it can be anything. We can talk about food or books or football or soccer or whatever it might be. A lot of bonus episodes there, giving some golf picks out on the Patreon as well. I'm going to be posting my one and done for the Gups Corner every week on the Patreon. And uh, of course, you can support Daily Roto. You can subscribe to the best daily fantasy site there is. And we are actually... Uh, aggressively sort of promoting our golf product right now because of the start of the golf season. 
If you want to hear more in-depth golf discussion, you can listen to Going for the Green uh, with Daily Roto. Normally, that will be hosted by Colin Drew, Drewby as you guys know him, and uh, Drew Dinkmeyer and Michael Leone and myself will be a rotating cast and crew on that podcast for the course of the year. Daily Roto has the absolute best fantasy golf and betting tools powered by Data Golf, one of the primary and premier providers of golf information on the internet. You can get good tools to build lineups on DraftKings and FanDuel, bet outright winners, top fives, top tens, uh, you know, and we have tools to show which bets are plus EV. uh, So that's a nice way to get some action on the weekends. If you're trying to follow golf, you can save 10% with the promo Rory. And uh, of course, now we are going to get into the episode. All right, everyone, would like to welcome back everyone's favorite and most handsome fantasy analyst. You're such a you're such a centrist, Harmon. I don't think that there are people out there that that are just vehemently anti Matt Harmon. Oh, I'm sure there's some. I'm sure there's some. And, and it, honestly, they probably are, you know, like people that know me in my personal life <laughs> rather than people who uh, follow us all on Twitter. But no, yeah, I I. I I guess I don't know if that makes me boring or what, but uh, yeah, I, I tend to be pretty down the middle with all of, all of our hot debates in the football world. I mean, you do find a good way to middle. You're you're able to middle most of the conversations. Like you're able to be you're able to be somehow above the fray while being in the fray. Well. I mean, I guess philosophically, I think that's the answer to most questions is somewhere in the middle anyways. Um, I tend the one thing I, I think I've found out this year about myself is is that I, I mean, I, I pay attention to this sport. So, I mean, religiously at this point, you know, it's my job. It's also like my most diehard hobby. So it's basically what I do with my entire life is just follow the NFL and, and follow fantasy and everything like that. That I think the thing that drives me nuts the most is like disingenuous arguments about anything. And there are so, so many about the NFL, you know, whether it's something as simple as uh, like, why is Colin Kaepernick on a roster? There are disingenuous arguments across the board uh, or it's something, as, you know, I guess that's not simple, but something as complex as that to something as simple as, you know, is Mitchell Trubisky actually good? There are disingenuous, disingenuous arguments across the board on that. And those type of things drive me nuts. So I tend to find somewhere in the middle where I can try to, you know, find the truth in that manner without like having to stick to an agenda. And that I do think is what I feel the most free by is that I don't necessarily have an agenda to stick to, whether I'm, you know, analytics, Twitter or film Twitter or whatever. Basically I get to kind of just decide where the truth is and pick what, what it actually means to me uh, without having to consider what my party, (laughs) you know, wants a speech on. I mean, that is, I think you do make a good point is a lot of the things that are talked about in fantasy football, Twitter are not spoken about, uh, in, in black and white. There's a lot of like, really the main thing right now is everyone is just trying to shade everyone who's on the opposite side of like the, uh, the new NFL look with them. Like the, like the Mm -hmm. people who are like, just throw the ball, who cares about running, whatever, everything they tweet. And I'm definitely part of this is I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to shade everyone who still gets a lot. Of appreciation out of like four yard up the middle runs and look I, I think that there's uh, there's some value to that too because there are some people on the other side there that are so dug in that they're just never going to accept reality you know no matter what evidence gets thrown in people's faces about 
you know, does the run game really matter? And there's convinced, I mean, there's, you cannot deny that there are, is incredibly convincing, you know, maybe even damning evidence that, you know, the running game doesn't matter as much as, as a lot of people want it to be, want it to. And, and I, I believe in that. Um, so I, I get the point of like hammering it over and over again, um, to, to the, to the point that, that that's basically all you're, all you're talking about. So I totally understand that. And, I think there's there's some value in that, and there's also just some value in realizing that the the, the season, as you said, like early on in the year, there was so much evidence. You know, it was overwhelming that you know the 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 NFL has changed, the passing game has taken over, and now you're hearing you know the traditionalists come back here in the playoffs later in the season with look, the defense is back. Look, run, you know, and and this happens every year, man. That this is. Is the, the, the is the defense going to be back when the Chiefs and Rams uh, play in the Super Bowl and it's fifty one to fifty four again? No, 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 no. Of course not. And this is this is kind of my point that I was trying to get to was basically there's there are these just little pockets in the season uh, of of different realities, and we see this with the league as a whole, specific teams. I mean, even specific players. Um, I know Sigmund Bloom always says this, like you can be right and wrong about a player within the course of one season. Uh, that's just the way the NFL goes. And that's what makes it so exciting to me. It's such an unpredictable and such a wild game that I don't, I don't think that football will ever be truly solved. And I, that doesn't bum me out. That actually really excites me to hopefully as, as long as somebody keeps paying me to talk about this game and try to try to solve it, but realize I probably never will. Um, and, and it's because the week to week variability of the game the month-to-month variability of the game, and that's what's really exciting to me is that I, th- I think you're right. Like we have people, you know, beating their chest about the defenses back, you know, here after the wild card round. But all the good offenses are coming, man, and they'll probably be around the, through the championship game, through the Super Bowl. So we could be having an entirely different conversation, you know, a few weeks from now as to what we're doing right here uh, in after the wild card round. Well, and also so much of the discussion is about like, oh, well, these sorts of teams win the Super Bowl or these sorts of teams win the win in the playoffs. But I think a much more compelling argument is about what works over the course of the regular season, because those results are um, they're more descriptive of what actually works as opposed to like anything can happen in one game of football, like literally yes. anything. Yeah, for sure. And the funny part is like the the Eagles were that team last year, you know. People are acting like this is 2018 with some kind of new barrier, but I mean the Super Bowl was a high-scoring game. It was a total shootout. The Eagles were one of the most dynamic progressive offenses in the 2017 season. Um I think a lot of it just got masked, which is totally fair because look, narr- narrative sells and stories sell, and that's why most people I think follow the game so insanely not because it's this great puzzle that you know you and I want to sit here and try to figure out but the fact that so many compelling stories and narratives come out of football and I think that the fact that the Nick Foles story the Eagle story as a whole really masked the broader conversation about this is this was the changing of the guard was in last year's Super Bowl this gigantic shootout between two of the best offenses and especially two of the most I would say progressive offenses in the NFL this is this has been coming for a while and I do think that the reality of the NFL is changing um, but we are going to see these little pockets of running games popping back up defenses popping back up and and it just as you mentioned it's it's more of what is stable year over year to finding success, which I, I think is undeniably true. And and it brings up an interesting conversation. Something that just happened this morning was Vic Fangio leaving the Bears. Is it Fangio or Fangio? Whatever. It doesn't matter. But 
going from leaving the Chicago Bears, who I think are an easy comparison between the 2017 Jaguars, who already showed rolling over into 2018 how hard it is to win year by year with a dominant defense. You can still have – I would still say the Jags are a good defense. You can have a good defense, but it's hard to roll that dominant performance year over year. Now the Bears will have to try to do it, hopefully with getting a step from their offense. So these are the things I think taking a wide lens view, you know, being sort of, as you say, a centrist, like why I think this is advantageous, I I guess, to view the game is because – there are no easy answers. There are no uh, quick fixes with, when it comes to the NFL, which, again, I, I think is what, what's so exciting about analyzing the game. I uh, I tend to agree with you. So, obviously, the first thing, you know, we, we are going to talk some football, although uh, a large part of this fo- show should hopefully be non-football. But I... I on that on that topic, what did you learn in 2018? I, my biggest observation, actually, out of all of out of all of everything that happened, is that smaller wide receivers, I think, have a pretty decided advantage compared to even five years ago. When I first started doing fantasy content at RotoViz and a lot of these other sites, you know, we were pretty compelled by the idea that bigger-bodied receivers had a a tactical advantage. But but the rule changes have really gone away from that like in in fantasy now and especially in dfs you want slot guys Mm -hmm. that that like i mean a slot wide receiver in fantasy five years ago those guys were like in the 11th round like they they, they just weren't guys you wanted at all and now like slot snaps are a huge advantage for fantasy yeah you're right it is huge and and i think that's a great point to to kind of something a larger thing that i've seen this year i think more than ever you know, you you and I kind of came up on the scene around the same time, just in terms of you know freelancing content, being on football Twitter, fantasy Twitter, whatever. The game has changed so drastically from even just you know five years ago, as you said. Like, and and I think whatever I almost just try to ignore whatever I thought about football five years ago and try to just focus on this new reality of the NFL. And and the small receiver thing is a great point. I've always tended to lean towards the smaller guys, the separators, because. That's just it's a bias of what I do. Well, yeah, that is aesthetically appealing to you the way that like watching Prime Des Bryant was aesthetically appealing to me. Like it's a different thing, mm-hmm. and both of them are good, and it just it doesn't make one side wrong or right. No, and that's something. Just the the receiver position is a great emblem of this in general. Is that there are so many different ways to win. I, I thought that uh, the idea like comparing Juju Smith-Schuster to Antonio Brown and you know that was something that was happening plenty this season it's almost what like what what's the point because they they operate in such different ways same thing with like Stefan Diggs or Adam Thielen they're almost playing two different positions because the just incredibly different tasks that they're that they have to do on a week-to-week basis like being an X receiver versus being a slot receiver whether you're a big slot receiver or a small slot receiver they're just all total two, two totally different assignments. So that's what's so fun about the wide receiver position is it's not just studying one guy with the WR designation who does the same thing across the position. I think we might have talked about this when I first came on your podcast. Like comparing these guys is so difficult because of what they're tasked to do. And I do think we saw in the draft this year, or excuse last year, I guess now. That that kind of come to fruition. Some of these big receivers that people were fans of as you know sleeper guys not like anybody was super excited but like marcel aitman simi cobbs uh alan lazard like uh, alan lazard would have been a third round pick four years ago right i mean even think about uh who's the florida state guy who uh auden tate like i know he he ran a super slow 40 but like that guy totally fell out of the draft 
those receivers just what's the point of even having them in today's NFL we saw the we saw the NFL completely pass these guys over um so I think the NFL as a whole is seeing the idea that this is something I talked about a lot when I was working with the player tracking data which I sorely miss back at uh back at the NFL network that the ability to create layup throws for your quarterback I think is just so crucial now at this point where the teams who are making it difficult on their quarterback there's just such a distinction between what they're doing versus the teams who are creating these layup throws. I mean, as incredible as Patrick Mahomes is, and this what this is what might make it this is what might make him the best thing we've ever seen at the position is that not only is he able to do the absolute freak show things, but he's playing in an, in an offense that consistently creates those layup throws, especially early in the season. Whereas you have guys like. Aaron Rodgers playing in this dinosaur system with Mike McCarthy. You have Josh Rosen with the lowest expected completion percentage uh, in the NFL because they don't create those layup throws for him. The The difference between the coaching staffs who are – and this I think is probably my widest takeaway is that the, the difference between the coaching staffs who are creating things for their quarterback versus those who are not – the, the difference could not be any more stark now than it ever has been at the NFL level. Keep Mike McCarthy so far away from Sam Darnold. Please, I, I, I know, I know. Like when I saw the headline that you know he's not considering any other jobs, he's only considering the Jets. I'm like, well, who who else is considering Mike McCarthy? I so mean, so I okay. I do want to say one thing on this though. Probably the hate on Mike McCarthy went a little bit too far based on the Aaron Jones Jamal Williams thing. Oh, yeah. Because like, look, you can't in fantasy football Twitter. This is actually a huge grievance of mine. We love to say that running backs don't matter, but then when one running back we perceive as being more talented than another gets benched for like a less talented <laughs> running back, we 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 go crazy, like we lose our minds, and and that is such a small part of the decision making for NFL teams that like I'm not really willing to hold that against offensive coaches at all. I completely agree. Like, I could not agree with you more. I, I think that JJ has done a great job of explaining this on his podcast that he basically his theory is that, look, I, I think that running back, you know, performance doesn't matter. But because coaches think it matters, they should be optimal in their decision making. So if you think that the running game matters, you right. should inherently then want the better running back out there. And I, I agree with his, his, his statement on that. But look, I talked earlier and you could tell me if you disagree with with me on this. I think by and large, fantasy football has been a good thing for the NFL as a whole. I mean, no question, obviously. It's, Factual, it's, yeah. Yeah, it, it, no doubt about it. The question I have is, has it universally been good for the way people understand the game of football? That Because there's two different games. I mean, straight up, like winning in the NFL is very different than winning in fantasy football. Um, being a good fantasy football player doesn't necessarily make you super sharp about the game. Now, I think as a whole the uh, the conversation around the NFL has elevated it's smarter because of fantasy i think fantasy analysts are some of the sharpest people that are talking about the NFL today however i do think some of those disingenuous arguments that i that i was talking about earlier do creep in because of fantasy football and i, I think that the packers running back situation is a great example like when i saw when the matt lafleur thing happened I saw a lot of people saying, well, the first thing he's got to do is make sure Aaron Jones is the feature back. I'm like, that's a crock of that's shit. Like, you know, that's like literally the last thing. Like it just, yeah. 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 Creating Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Rodgers based offense, making it all about him, creating those layup throws within the system, bringing it more progressive offense to Green Bay. I think that's a million times more important uh, than what he does at running back. I do think that if the offensive infrastructure was 
clean and right in Green Bay, I don't think that the difference between Aaron Jones versus Jamal Williams would be all that different. And that's while sitting here and telling you that Aaron Jones is clearly a better running back than Jamal Williams. But I just don't think that it matters all that much. And I think there are a lot of examples around the league that you can anecdotally point to uh, to make that point. Yeah. Um, Also, just want to get some of your overall thoughts on the rookie quarterbacks. I've been asking everyone who comes on the show this stuff. Do you have do you have a hot take on Lamar or on Darnold or Rosen in or even Josh Allen? I think we all universally agree Baker's on the right track. Yeah. And the hire they made this morning with Freddie Kitchens as the head coach, I think that just shows that they realize that the utmost important thing is making this all about Baker Mayfield, which of course is the right thing to do. Um, with the other guys, I really want to root for Lamar Jackson. I really want Lamar Jackson to be good. I think his upside is tremendous because of that running ability. Uh, you know, I, I think he will. I think he will be more than RG three. And you know, in terms of like a flash in the pan, like I think we're still going to be talking about Lamar Jackson in you know three, four, five years as a starting quarterback, but. I mean, good God, it's it's hard to 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 not say he has a passing problem. <laughs> like, you can't. Well, I don't. Think no, he he clearly the- has issues passing the ball, especially when his here. This is a rare uh, a, a rare football guy take for me. When his feet are set, he's actually not that bad. He's he's like relatively accurate, but once he gets on the move, it's it's pretty bad. So, and I I think that there's a great point because again. Making an overall statement like Lamar Jackson can't throw, I think, is stupid and disingenuous. But I think you could break down just like you just did and say there are situations where he is successful versus not successful. And I know they won a bunch of games and that overall they created this very interesting offense around him. But I also think they didn't really set him up to be a successful passer because if you remember well, Lamar the Jackson the playoff game plan was really bad. They they ter- they, yeah, they were completely flummoxed by San Diego. Like what they did is they rotated in a third safety and and Lamar was just like I don't know what to do. Yeah, exactly. And remembering Lamar Jackson in Louisville, he was he wasn't running a lot of these zone read things. He was running a lot of quarterback power or scrambling. You didn't see almost any of that in the in the playoff game. It was mostly just zone read trying to get Joey Bosa or these defensive linemen for Los Angeles to bite on the play fake or to hold these guys instead of just getting the body advantage of having your quarterback being the runner and going 10 on 11 uh, or going 11 on 11 there. And I, I think that we didn't see enough of that. I think as a passer, the Ravens offense – Still asked him to make far too many outside-the-numbers throws where, as a quarterback at Louisville, he was a poor outside-the-numbers guy but was very good over the middle. I don't think we saw enough of that. So I think hopefully with a full offseason we see them create an offense that's more designed around making Lamar Jackson better, not just making him an asset that can help them win down the stretch is what we saw this year. So I'm still largely hopeful with him, but... I mean, again, you you can't not have a giant asterisk around him right now. With Darnold, I'm overall pretty excited. Like, especially yeah, the way I, he I ended am too, the but some football people are not. Like, some people are not into it. Some people think that, uh, like, you know, he's just he's just gonna be Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah, I, I don't really understand that. I mean, I know he has a turnover problem. Like, he had a turnover problem in college, and then at, at times this year, he certainly looked like he had a turnover problem, but. 
what do the Jets have to rely on on offense right now? I mean, I, I don't think he was set up with, within a great infrastructure to succeed as a rookie and still flashed really well, especially as the year went on. I mean, I think Robbie Anderson's a good receiver. I think Quincy Noon was a good receiver. Those guys were never really jiving together, like both going off at the same time. Chris Herndon emerged late in the year, but by and large, like not a lot of skill position talent there. The offensive line's not very good. Isaiah Crowell, like as a running back, I mean, what's the point of even discussing him anymore? Like he's a total replaceable asset. So I think that, and you know, Jeremy Bates, what are we, what are we really doing there? I think that we could, if, if the Jets nail this coaching staff higher, I think that they will be in good hands with Sam Darnold. I really like Sam Darnold. I, I don't see a lot to, a lot to pick on his rookie season with Rosen. I really liked him coming out of college. Um, and I think that look from I'm not a big enough steam bag to say that the uh, Cliff Kingsbury hire is going to be what uh, Jared Goff, Sean McVay. Oh, type I'm 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 a thing. big enough I'm a big enough steam bag. I, <laughs> I think I think that I want to see what I actually want to see is a uh, an offensive coordinator or head coach who just says I'm just running the air raid. Like mm-hmm. I'm I don't care. Like Andy Reid is running pretty modified concepts of it with the Chiefs. They run a ton of the mesh play, which is like, you know, it's that's my favorite play in, in football ever. And Munkin did concepts of it with the Bucks, but you know, they still ran a decent bit. But I want I want like the full the full on air raid experience in the NFL. Yeah, I don't really know what people want. Like the Cliff Kingsbury hire, I think you've got to just at least like you got to at least tip your cap to it. I know it's crazy to think that a damn Big 12 coach, you know, was fired just a few months ago and is now an NFL head coach. I know that's like tough for people to wrap their minds around, but I also again don't think things are that simple to be like, well this guy failed in the Big 12, he's obviously going to fail as an NFL head coach. They're, the Cardinals at least are trying something different, and I think that's huge. Like, like I said, I'm, I'm not going to say that the results are going to be the same from you know Goff Rosen. Um, and I think if I pressed you, I don't think you would say the same thing either. But we can both agree that stylistically, going from the skeletons of the Mike McCoy offense to whatever Cliff Kingsbury installs is going to be very similar from with Goff going from Jeff Fisher to Sean McVay. So, from a stylistic perspective, I think Rosen hopefully will be set up. For success in year two and again i i we always hate all these retread hires coming up like this is at least something different it's something somebody not coming from the traditional pipeline so I, i'm excited about what arizona is doing and hopefully they're just able to do what the rams did which was not just install a progressive young coach but also get some damn talent on that roster i mean they rebuilt their offensive line going from fisher to to mcveigh they also added a veteran receiver in robert woods made and and a young receiver in cooper cup the the cardinals need to do with some more some of that i mean is I there think this is, is there a good veteran free agent wide receiver for them to target i have no idea i i would i have not familiarized myself enough with the free agent market to to say so i don't but then but you could also say the same thing like robert woods was not a hot name i mean plenty of people blasted that contract when he went from baltimore to la and that's ended up looking like a great deal for them i think robert woods is the best receiver on the team or no, at least most no cooks is the best wide receiver on the team I mean, I would just say the most complete wide receiver on the team, but I'm not going to fight you on that because I think Cooks is a great player. I think both those guys are great players. Yeah. Um, okay, any other? Oh, does defense matter? <laughs> so I'm glad that you asked me this, and I know you've got to ask everybody this on the show. The, the beautiful thing, for one, the answer is yes. I mean, I think defense 
matters, especially from an NFL perspective. And I know Josh's original take and is an NFL about- perspective, irrefutable. It matters, I think. Yeah, yeah. There's no point in even really discussing that with fantasy. This is the beautiful thing about about Josh's statement on this like defense doesn't matter or you know (laughs) going back even further beyond just josh like running backs don't matter because if what i what i agree with josh is that on the polar extremes it probably matters to a certain degree but i do think that for years and years you know there have been especially fantasy analysts there have been fantasy analysts that have just harped on, you know, fantasy points allowed to positions, you know, like this team is that's the, it, that like uh, the fantasy points allowed to tight ends is, is my is least favorite. It's my least favorite stat in fantasy football. Yeah, right. It's like if you tell me that a team is 10th in fantasy points allowed to tight ends, like you're not saying anything again, maybe at the polar extremes, especially if there are reasons for it. Like the Browns, I think last season when they were just leaving the middle of the field open to tight ends, just crushing them. There's a reason for that. There's a reason that all that production is being allowed. Uh, you know, the, again, if you're like 15th or whatever, it really doesn't matter. So I think that, that 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 his take has a really strong piece of evidence to stand on there. I mean, yeah, anytime Josh says something, it's it's because he's done the research on it. And I think, again, just intuitively, this has always made sense to me that we overstate how much matchups matter, but. This is why Josh is great at navigating the current media landscape, uh, even if he doesn't know it, is that by saying defense doesn't matter, that's why we're still talking about it. Not like if he had said defenses only matter at the extremes or, you know, defense number five through uh, 28, there's no difference between the two. Nobody would we wouldn't be talking about it still. But uh, we were talking about it because the statement is does defense matter, which, again, I think. At the NFL level, irrefutably, yes. At the fantasy level, I think there's a good conversation to have because, again, most bad fantasy analysis for years has just been, well, I'll start this guy because uh, this team is 10th in you know, points allowed to wide receivers, which I think is generally something we should just not even be saying anymore. And I guess it's kind of a bummer to me because I actually uh, I love – watching cornerbacks play like cornerback play is just super fascinating to me even even when last year I didn't have a, a specific job in like doing draft content I still watch the rookie corners but like those uh like the wide receiver CB matchup charts like they're super mm-hmm. interesting but they're not like very predictable for daily fantasy or for seasonal fantasy either no but I still think they're worth talking about uh because again intuitively if a cornerback is not as good as this other cornerback, you would rather your wide receiver be lining up against the guy who doesn't matter as much. But again, from a long-term standpoint, wide receivers that know how to get open are going to get open against whoever is covering them. Again, if it's a better corner, of course, you're going to be, it's going to be a slightly harder task, but I still think that offense dictates the action, which I think is, probably the heart of josh's take anyways and i could be wrong but i think most things are just a reflection of what the offense does to the defense outside of a few polar extremes and i would say really this year the only difference was i think the ravens and the bears defense were two that might have dictated the action to even 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 josh like semi admitted that the uh that the ravens defense mattered yes yeah 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 i i I listened to his show uh that he was just on and i think that that that's like yeah those 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 two defenses may be it but uh, other than that I mean yeah most of most of the time I think it's especially in you know 2018 NFL football offense is dictating the action to the defense not the other way around 
Yeah, I, and I think that that is definitely true. Okay, any other any other football takes before we we want to get into the real stuff? No, nah, man. I mean, I think this was a this was a really interesting season. Uh, you know, it was my first at a new job, um, which cha- changed a lot of things too. Um, but this was a fun year, uh, I think, to be following the NFL, and it it made me more excited about the future of the sport than I think I probably was at the end of the 2017 season for sure. So I think this is a great time to be a football fan. It's a great time to be playing daily fantasy. It's a great time to be playing fantasy football in general. Um, it's great. I, I, I'm more excited about football and just loving the sport and loving the unpredictability of it. Like stupid shit like Derrick Henry, uh, you know, becoming this dominant figure at the end of the year. That was pretty amazing. That stuff, I, I love that stuff because nobody would have, nobody in their right mind would have predicted, you know, based on the evidence that had been accumulated throughout the 2018 season, that that was going to be what December was about. Um, but it was. And that's why I love football, man, because it's so weird. It's such a dumb sport um, and it gives us so many great things to talk about. So I would just say that, yeah, I'm, I'm more excited about the game. I'm more excited to be uh, one of the luckiest idiots in the world who gets to do this as a job um, because of where the game is right now. It's lit. So a big reason why I wanted to have you back on the show is uh, my new fascination in life right now is like cooking and food. And I, I knew just from like, uh, like kind of just, I mean, you and I've been buddies for a long time and I just knew you'd be down to talk about this because of the big transformation you had in your life where you actually lost uh, over a hundred pounds. You still live like a, an overall pretty healthy lifestyle. And so the things that I wanted to ask you about is what is your diet like right now? And what are the kinds of stuff that you like to cook? Yeah, my diet right now is very different from, yeah. And if, if people don't know, there was a, my pin tweet uh, is an article talking about that story, and that was written, I think, in uh, like May 2016 or something like that. So life looks really different now than it did even back then. Um, and so, yeah, I think right now I'm trying to adjust to normal off-season life as opposed to in-season where the diet can get a little bit different. But I do, I do eat really clean. Um, I mostly eat a lot of if I'm eating carbs, I'm eating pretty good carbs. You know, whole grains, sweet potatoes, uh, that type of stuff. Um, I eat a ton of vegetables, and you know that that give me really give comes... me give me some vegetables that taste good cooked. Right now, right now, I've got myself pretty well acquitted to Brussels sprouts and broccoli. Well, I mean, yeah, I was gonna say, you know, I'm gonna sit here and talk about uh, Brussels sprouts, of course. Um, I have really gotten into cauliflower over the last probably year and a half um, because it's not, I would guess it's rather tasteless. So you can do a lot with it. I really like to use a spice mix of like paprika, turmeric, cumin, stuff like that. Uh, a little minced garlic and put that over a cauliflower and salt, get a good, get a good pan that you can saute it on and then roast in the oven for like about eight minutes. And I think you get a really good bit of consistency. And like I said, I like the spice mix um, that goes along with it. So I'm, I'm big into cauliflower right now. Do you have any feelings on kale? Can I sell you on kale? Because I, I personally love to like saute kale or uh, again, make like kind of a chip thing in the oven. And that's really good to me. You could do a lot with it. Um, I also, I, I roasted carrots are good too. Um, I, I don't particularly, that's not like a thing I usually eat, but it's something that you can fall back on. So yeah, my, my general rotation though is broccoli, cauliflower and Brussels sprouts. 
So my thing with kale is like I've known for like a long time that, uh, you know, just you got to have vegetables in your diet. But like a lot of the vegetables, I just not crazy about the taste of, especially before I like kind of got an interest in cooking. So I drank a lot of those like health drinks, right? Like the probiotic Mm -hmm. drinks and kombucha and stuff. And a lot of those like, you know, greens drinks have like ground up kale in it basically. Yeah, I'm I like to just actually cook kale. So again, get a good pan that you can saute things with. Um, and what I like to do is chop it up a little so it's a little thinner than it's just normal form. Uh, if you buy it in a bag or if you really want to buy the full stalk and chop it up, then that's that's cool too. Um, and you know, mix some onion with it. Again, some garlic, olive oil in a pan. You're pretty set there, but you can also do some fun stuff like. After you get it a little crispy in the pan, like throw some vinegar on it at the end and you can almost get like a, a good green mix there that if you have like a piece of pork, a piece of chicken, I think it complements very well. I mean, I could I can certainly see myself eating that like I like I, I would not I would not say uh, I would not say no to it. Um, I guess what would be the advice to people who are trying to like actually follow through with being healthier in the new year, like uh, in terms of like what like what like three cooking things do you got to buy to like be able to make food at home? Because for me, that's like the hugest difference. Like I've talked about this a lot on the show, but like I love to order Postmates. You know, Mm -hmm. I I work from home. Like it's just, and it's just easy, right? And Postmates is, it's like the stone best. And I hope that someday they they sponsor this show. (laughs) But like, Well, they should at this point. The reason that people like to eat out and the reason why people, you know, don't like to cook is because they just they kind of just don't know how to do it. Right. Like they know how to make meat and potatoes. And those are like the two things that people know how to do. Yeah. So I think from a broad view sense, one, if you're going to be healthy, you also kind of have to accept that some of your meals are going to be boring. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Like if I'm just here by myself, um, I and I, you know want to just eat quickly i don't want to like go through the whole ritual of cooking which i normally love to do because it's like one of my most exciting parts of the day i know that sounds kind of lame but it's very relaxing no same same for me it's a highlight of my day making dinner at night yeah it's it's very therapeutic after a day of you know dealing with stupid stuff at work or i don't know getting into arguments on twitter (laughs) like it's a great time to put the phone down you could put on a podcast or music or whatever and just kind of zone out and I love that. Like I love to chop vegetables, like onions, everything like that. It's all just to me. It's very fun. So the two things are one, except that like you know sometimes if I, if I eat just a big bowl of sautéed kale and chopped grilled chicken, like that's a meal. It's boring, but it gets the job done, uh, and it's a good way to live healthy. And the second thing is people that do want to like lose weight and get active or, or or you know change their lifestyle or whatever. Cooking is a huge part of that. Uh, if like I would just tell everybody. Learn to cook and learn to fall in love with it. And you probably will. I mean, I know it's not for everybody. I do think that some people are like to, I have a I have a theory that there are people that like to bake and people that like to cook. Obviously there baking, are some baking is there. just so hard, man. I, I've, hard. I've yes. tried I've tried to do the one thing I can bake is like a good like pumpkin bread, but everything else is like kind of beyond me. Yeah, I make a really good beer bread because it's like simple and stupid. All you have to do is uh, you take three cups of self-rising flour, three tablespoons of a sugar, and uh, then like just pour like a good dark, like a chocolate stout or something like that. Mix it together. You got the dough. You throw it in a pan. You put that in the oven for like 45 minutes and you have like a 
big loaf of bread that's actually really good, especially if you season it well and everything like that. So that's like about my baking. That's like that, that's what I can do as a baker. And I think that people are broke up into categories. And again, please don't be offended by this because it's, not, it's very inexact science. But uh, you know, people that are like to cook, they're more. It's more of a creative thing. It's more of like, okay, I'm I'm seasoning this to taste. You know, yeah. I'm not following a chart. And I think Davis, you and I are both like two creative people who like to write, who like to you know what what we do for a living is is we create content and then there are people that you know like to follow a schedule like to follow rules those are the bakers of of us and you know i, I don't like to just like follow a recipe uh i like to try to make things on my own so i think there's two but i would say that everybody can kind of at least get into some level of liking to cook because it is fun it does let your creativity come out so that's like the key thing to me is just is just falling in love with it and and making the time for it and I would say one thing if you are stressed for time that everybody should buy is like a slow cooker or a crock pot. Yeah, crock pot. Like crock pot, you chop up whatever meat you like, put in some stock, cut up some vegetables, put it in there in the morning on low or on lunch break and just like let it sit for six hours. Yeah, a million percent. And you can make yourself like that's what I think people really struggle with, with like meal planning and, you know, all that sort of stuff is just the time that it takes to like grill six damn pieces of chicken for an entire week. You can easily knock that out in the crock pot and also make things taste good, too. You know, you don't have to just throw in. You can do it as simple as throwing in a bunch of chicken breasts and some salsa and boom, you'll get reasonably decent tasting food. Uh, you know, in six hours, or you can really get creative and make your own sauces and then throw them in there. And, you know, I do a really good like jalapeno cream sauce that I do with like pork in a slot in a slow cooker. I put that on my damn Instagram a couple weeks ago. Um, you can get as wild as that, or again, you could be really basic with it. So if you're trying to live healthy, I think that's a crucial thing to have, um, in your kitchen. And I, I guess in terms of like other supplies, like definitely don't, uh, scrape on like price and quality of good cookware. Like, yeah, have a cast iron skillet, have like stainless steel, uh, cookware. It makes a huge difference as opposed to just going to Rite Aid and like getting, Oh, here's a, here's a frying pan or you'll, you'll, I've noticed like a, like a bad front, like a bad pan. You'll just burn everything and it won't look appetizing. It like it, it, it's a real thing. Like the difference between a $15 pan and a $50 pan is like well worth it. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I think that's another thing, too. People like cooking at home, they look at their food and they're like, why doesn't this look good as look as good as it does in a restaurant? Well, because, you know, the restaurant is paying for quality stuff to be back in that kitchen and you, you know, using your, I don't know, as seen on TV appliances, like it's it's probably not as good. So, yeah, definitely. And you can get I mean, you can get good quality stuff at, you know, a Target or something like that. You just got to pay for the most expensive stuff. And again, I think in the long run it's very much worth it. Uh, so yeah, I, I just bought myself a new stainless steel pan that I'm super excited for. Um, I, I got a whole bunch of, like I got a Dutch oven for Christmas that I've been doing a lot of stuff. Again, if you want to follow me on Instagram, same, same handle as the Twitter. Uh, and I'm always cooking stuff in there. So yeah, definitely just, just pay up for, pay up for appliances. It's, 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 it's huge. And then in the long run, you, end up saving more money cause you're not buying like a new $15 pan every few, every few months. 
Right. And I mean, like th- that was actually probably the the biggest like commitment that I've made in terms of like New Year's resolution stuff, trying to like make actual like actual changes in my lifestyle as I bought like I bought a food processor, which really was not even oh, all yeah. that expensive, but which is huge for cooking vegetables and uh, just like some like, you know, like a nice can opener, just like a lot of stuff like that. Like it just and it just makes you want to spend more time in the kitchen, too. And good knives, too. Like, I can't stress enough. Yeah, I bought a knife set, too. Yeah, Yeah, get yourself a good knife set and get yourself a knife sharpener and everything like that because that, again, will make a difference in the long run. It will make you want to to cook more um, if you have nice stuff because, you want to again, you want to get your money's worth out of it. It will make your food look good. It will make your food taste better. Um, That's key. And – you know, it's it's like I said, it's it's a fun like inexact science being a being a chef or whatever. Um, you get to experiment so much with it. A food processor is great. You can make hummus, you can make salsas. I do all that in my food processor. Uh, I just got myself where my my dad got me one of those like NutriBullet things for uh, yeah. For I got Christmas a got that, a NutriBullet too. Like, and I'm not about to be making myself like vegetable smoothies because I just I can't really do it, but. I made I make a lot of really good sauces in there and everything like that and yeah there's a lot you can a uh, lot you can do with it so yeah don't be afraid to to spend up for this stuff because in the long run it's gonna work out for you and like I said it's it's huge it's huge just just falling in love with it because you're gonna want to take the time for it and that in the long run is more important than finding the newest trendy diet or whatever um, and trying to mess around like I've never actually been on any diet with a name you know what i mean like and that that has worked for me uh in the long run i did i did the whole 30 i would not recommend it yeah jesus christ dude it was (laughs) it was it was it was honest to god the most mentally draining thing i've done in my 26 years on this planet it was it was really 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 hard yeah i've never done anything like that i know uh friends of mine who've done keto and People, like, people, people who do keto rave about it, and I think that's because in keto you still get to eat some stuff with like familiar flavors that you like. Yeah, I, I, the whole thirty you can't even drink either. So I mean, that's a whole other discussion. I mean, uh, I mean, whole thirty you're you're basically eating meat cooked in olive oil and vegetables cooked in olive oil. That's yeah. that's your diet, and you can eat you can eat fruit raw. Terrific. I mean, yeah, I, that's a lot of I. I cook cook at like all my meat and everything in olive oil but yeah i mean you gotta like add some flavor to i don't know yeah it it sounds miserable so and yeah that's another thing like this should not be miserable Uh, right that's probably probably the biggest thing is that like getting in shape making your life better like trying to feel better it should be a positive life-affirming experience yeah it should not be that you're like coming into work and you know bitching about whatever you ate that weekend or, or whatever or whatever. Yeah, I mean, again, this is – yeah, like you said, this is supposed to be a good life-affirming experience. You should feel better when dieting. You should feel better when starting to to experiment in the gym. Like you should not feel uh, worse about it. And I, I, I think that's just not discussed enough. Yeah, I mean, and that, I like, I think that's like the the biggest part of it is people look at it like a like a chore, but uh, you know, like I think this is a you know we're we're at the beginning of January. People are people are still trying to stick to the New Year's resolution, like the the gym that I go to. I mean, it's 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 crazy full. It is nuts how packed the gym is the first two weeks of January. But like, I like that. Like, I think that's like a cool experience to see all those people there. Even if like some of them will give up, like it's still cool to see more people being there for sure. And you know, that's something that you see 
I, I've seen people on Twitter like bitch about the oh the gym is full and like yeah everybody knows it's inconvenient. Um, I get it, but I, I'm telling you like that sort of mindset or or not not my own mindset, but people just imagining that people had that mindset about me being in a gym, you know, kept me out of gyms for years, man. Like that self-conscious, I know that like planet fitness gets a bad rap, uh, because of their like corny commercials about like, Oh, you know, people are accepted here or whatever. But I do really think that matters for people because I can confirm that it mattered for me for a long time. Like I never went to gyms because I thought people were, you know, laughing at all. There's just look at this little fat twerp, like being in the gym. Like, what are you even doing here? Like, I don't know what I'm doing. And that's another thing too. Like I think the reason people, a lot of people go to the gym and end up giving up is because they go in not knowing, not knowing what they're doing. Um, right. Yeah. That's a, that's a big thing. Like if you don't, if you don't know what you're doing and you're just kind of there, like that's why like a lot of people just run, like they just yeah. do the treadmill cause they don't really know how to like properly do strength training. Yeah. And it's like people go in, they, they run and they like maybe do some curls or something and maybe some like crunches and that's everybody's body is different. And again, talking about it's worth it. Um, if you can swing like, and most times if you go to a gym, they'll give you uh, training, like they'll give you a personal training session for free. Take advantage of that. It's definitely worth it. Uh, you, even if you never go back, even if you never do the personal training, I mean, you, and you probably won't cause it's pretty expensive, but you, you, uh, you, even if you never get trained by the person again, just having them take you through like an introductory course and like, Hey, this is something that's probably good for your body, for your own goals. That is really crucial, I think, to establishing that momentum, to keeping it going. Um, that certainly helped me throughout different parts of my weight loss journey and I would recommend that for everybody because it helps you sustain that momentum that is very difficult to, to keep going and I, I don't want to I can't stress that enough it's it's really hard to to do all this yeah so like uh, I I did that I signed up at Lifetime Fitness in Kansas City and they give you a free session for signing up and I did like I did I went through that walkthrough like one session with the personal trainer and it was like I still do exercises from that session a year yep. ago like just because it's so useful. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. I mean, I got a free training session, I think at a 24 hour fitness when I moved out here and yeah, there's still things that was three and a half years ago at this point. And there are definitely still things that I incorporate from that. Um, even though my goals and my body is very different of <laughs> now than it was three and a half years ago, there's always something that you can learn, especially just getting you launched off that point. And again, it, it's something that you should, be excited about you know you should be it, it should push you to want to do more and more the more results that you get out of it and if you're smart about the way you go about it you you will see some results uh that's another thing too if you go in blind and you just go to the gym i, I promise you two weeks down the road you're going to look at yourself and be like nothing's different nothing has changed but if you're smart about it and you fit a diet and a workout plan to your own specific needs your own specific body you will start to see where those results and that's what changed for me. I think at the beginning of, you know, cause when I started back when I was 315 pounds, like I had done stuff my entire life to try to lose weight. Um, but you know, I, yeah, quickly give up because I didn't see any results. But when I finally got smart about it, when I finally got more dedicated about it, you saw, saw results like that, especially if you're really heavy. Uh, if you're, you're 315 pounds, you, you spend two weeks at a gym and, and eating right, you'll see results very quickly. I, I promise you that. And that really was like, okay, now I see this. I want to keep going and I want to fall in love with this. And I, and I did, and I have, and, and here we are all these years later. 
So obviously a lot of the physical health does have an impact on the mental health. I don't think that's debatable, but I would I would like for you as someone with I think some particular insight on this to speak a little bit about the mindset of working on your mental health as well like in conjunction with the physical health. Yeah, so when I started to lose weight, um it was coincided with really kind of the darkest part of my life. Um you know, and it's not, there's no point in going into the full details of that. I mean, some people, some people know about it. There's some details about it in the story that I wrote, but I mean, yeah, I was, I put myself in therapy at the same time as, as I started to lose weight because I thought the two would go together, you know, and I mean, shit, man, like in terms of working out and, and getting fit and everything, I, I needed to give myself a reason to, to literally keep living because <laughs> it was, it was, it was that bad. So the two did start to help each other. Um, and there were times when I would be worse mentally and my physical health would suffer because of it. Because, you know, again, if you're, if you feel, if you're depressed and you're not motivated to do the things in your, and that's the thing, if you're, if you're suffering, you're the, every task is going to become more and more difficult. Like just getting out of bed, some days were those were victory laps to take. Uh, and, and that seems crazy to, to, to say, but if you've been in that space before, you know exactly what that feels like. Um, and being able to take the victory lap of like, Oh no, I actually went to the gym and like I crushed, you know, this workout or whatever. Those were huge motivations to keep going. You know, when there was, there was a time when, you know, my, the therapist I was seeing at the time and I were in a big disagreement about, (laughs) about my, about what I should be doing in the gym. She was very insistent that I should be doing more cardio or as I was wanting to, you know, lift more weights or whatever. And she was right, you know, more, 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 more broadly, she was right about the point because eventually I did, I was like, all right, yeah, I'm going to start running more, doing more of like the bike. And and that just helped my, my my mental health more, you know, to, to get better. So I think the two definitely go together. Um, It's not the same for everybody. That's a harder thing to speak on. Like I think I can, I think I can sit here and give good advice on, you know, what to do if you if you need help in the gym, if you need help in your in your diet. Like I can give I can give good takes on that. I I think even though again it is different for everybody, but with everybody's mental health, like my my thing is just take care of yourself. Like do do what you need to do because. And I, I think we we're getting better as a society talking about these things, no doubt about it. And as somebody that has struggled with it immensely, and it has, I don't, I'm not a you know important person, but I have some sort of a platform. I have some sort of a following. I think there's like a duty to speak correctly about this and to try to help others who might be, you know, on that path or whatever. I think we're getting better as a society talking about it, but we're not there yet. I mean. One thing that one thing that drives me a little nuts is when we see like these celebrity suicides or whatever, you know, people always talk about like, well, you know, never be afraid to reach out and talk. And I mean, I'm, I'm sure I've said it, too, because I'm not perfect, but I, I can tell you that if you're in that place, the last thing you want to do is reach out and talk to somebody, you know, right. yeah, the, the, the thing is, like, watch out for each other. You know, if you if you start to see things, don't be afraid to kindly approach someone that you think might be struggling because that's more important than trying to put the pressure on them to reach out because that is you already feel like a a legit burden to 
the to your own existence, you're not going to want to feel like a burden to uh, your friends or family. Yeah, uh, sort of my like rules for living right now. There is a like a pretty widely published study. You've probably you've probably actually heard of this study if you've done like any kind of reading into depression and anxiety. But there are there are like six things that you can do that have like a clinically proven ability to like improve your mindset and limit depression. And it's drinking at least a half gallon of water a day getting at least 30 minutes of elevated heart rate exercise a day, whether that be like cardio, uh, walking your dog, strength training, but just getting your heart rate up above, I think it's like 150 mm-hmm. beats per minute, uh, taking a multivitamin and a fish oil supplement every single day, and uh, and taking at least 10 minutes a day to uh, to like meditate or pray or whatever, but just no screens, no contact, nothing. And those are like those are those are like things that I do every single day now to like kind of just try and improve the general state of my being. Yeah, the walking thing is is a great point because you know again we're sitting here talking about going to the gym and like strength training and you know running or biking or whatever. But I mean, damn, if you're if you're struggling in a mental space or you even just wanting to get started on like a, a health or fitness journey, I, yeah, get out there and walk for 20, 30 minutes because it's more than whatever you're going to be doing. Um, yeah, that definitely helps. And I, I can tell, yeah, I can tell just in my own life. And th- I mean, frankly, sometimes there, there have been times in the football season when it gets way worse from a mental health perspective totally. because, because of the lifestyle that we have to live to do this job and to do it well. Um, it's very hard to unplug during the season. You're constantly, yeah. you know, drilled Just on, in on, on your phone, on your computer, a hundred percent. And like, that's like, so while football season's going on, like I'm playing DFS every day of the week, you know, checking my phone, like the, the most miserable thing is like, I'm always able to tell myself like, Oh, you need to be on your phone for this or this or this. Yeah, for sure. And I, I have had to get better and I'm not, I'm not good at it. I'm not good about unplugging because it's weird because it's it's kind of a double-edged sword, right? Because I think I, – I, I definitely think – I mean I, I obviously have have issues with like self-image and, and self-esteem and stuff like that. That the endorphin hit of like being on Twitter and like, oh, people are caring about what I have to say. Like that's – it's almost just like a – it's almost just a quick fix. Whereas in the long run, being offline and unplugging is definitely better for, for me and right. probably for most people – in the long run. So I'm trying to get better about that because that's the one thing I'm not good at, you know, in terms of keeping, you know, keeping my body right, staying in shape, working out one or two times uh, a day, depending on where my goals are. I'm, I'm great about all that. You know, I don't, this year I was better than ever, not sacrificing, uh, like my physical health during the season. Um, and I think from a mental perspective too, um, this was, career wise it was it was a good it was a good year just in terms of staying right mentally but yeah the, the unplugging thing is very difficult very uh, in, in in our career and uh i have, would like to get better about that in 2019 and going forward so the last thing that uh that i wanted to talk about is you and i are both a massive fan of uh of gordon ramsay and that was how i wanted to end it because i think that his like uh i think that the passion he shows towards cooking and food is like pretty infectious and i think that if it's something you're like actually wanting to do or improve like watching master chef or like watching his youtube videos is like a real way to like both learn and like have fun doing it 
Yeah, I think most people know Gordon Ramsay from like Kitchen Nightmares yeah. or being that dickhead that like yells at everybody. And I mean, that's a big part of why his brand is so huge. Um, because there are some, there are some of like the Kitchen Nightmare stuff that is like legit hilarious. Watching him, you know, like especially eat the food too. It's right. It's very funny, but. Yeah, go on his YouTube page, man, because and just watch some of the I can't remember this the series that he I guess it was a show. I think it's actually on Hulu too, if you want to watch like the full length show. I can't remember. It's like I can't remember exactly what it's it's called. It's like Ultimate Cookery Course or something, but it's mostly just him actually cooking. And yeah, that passion and like the legit love he has for food and the process of like flavor and putting things together. You watch that and I I feel like I can almost assure you that you're going to want to get out there and cook. You're not necessarily going to watch it and like follow it to a T and like now I'm going to do exactly what he just did. But you learn more about the combination of how flavors go together, what sauces go well with each other, what, you know, what vinegar complements, what spice, that type of stuff. And yeah, it's that like passion is infectious. And yeah, for sure that like, I started watch. I almost I watch like some cooking thing on YouTube almost every night before I fall asleep. And again, you talk about just drilling in on screens. Definitely not good for me in the long run. But nevertheless, we we go on. Uh, and and like when I got into his page, that was like a, a big game changer and like me wanting to cook more, want to do more things. Like I remember I got started watching like those BuzzFeed Tasty videos on uh, like Facebook or whatever. Sure. And th- and then I feel like that was like. You know, like the, the galaxy brain meme, like the next thing was watching Gordon Ramsay on YouTube and like I got hooked on that. And it, yeah, his passion is just is unbelievable. And and he's super sharp. I mean, he's the reason he's at where he is, is not just because he's an entertaining personality, but because he's like one of the best to, to cook. So I, I love I love Gordon Ramsay. That's my guy. If I could ever one of my dreams is I have like very few like celebrity like things I'd want to run into the celebrity or I'd want to like work with the celebrity one day. But if I could ever incorporate some like stupid football cooking thing with Gordon Ramsay, that would be like a career highlight. Well, if you're ever able to do that, let me in on it. And he actually is a huge soccer fan. He, uh, yeah. he was like going to like, that was what he wanted to do. And then he tore his knee up like twice. So, uh, soccer did not, was not able to become a profession for him. So I think he does like sports. So if we're ever able to, uh, leverage your connections at Yahoo into a, a Gordon Ramsay meeting, uh, please let me be involved. He's like definitely one of the, the biggest five celebrities I'd love to spend time with. He's also, like you said, he's, He's super fit. He's super active. He talks about that a lot because yeah, he runs marathons. Like he, yeah, yeah, he's he's definitely in shape. I mean, too, he's got he's got a he's got a, he's pretty ripped too for a guy his he's age. Like, like he's like 55, you could just see looking yeah. at yeah, yeah, he's in he's in good shape, and I think that that's another thing that I really like to. Uh, he's by the way, he's like having another kid now, which is uh, that's wild. Um, but yeah, he he's able to incorporate the that the good co- cooking well like. He also will tell you things during his videos where it's like, yeah, this looks like my like it might be an unhealthy food, but here's how I'm cooking it so that it's more healthy instead of just deep, fr- you know, doing whatever like that. Th- being able to incorporate that and then also the physical lifestyle is something that I take very seriously too. So it's another reason why I like him so much. And there's a ton of great cooks on YouTube too. Like 
the YouTube rabbit hole is, is unbelievable, but I really like this guy, Sam, the cooking guy out of San Diego. He's definitely like the other end of the spectrum from Gordon Ramsay, where, um, he definitely cooks some things that are not good for you. Um, he's also much more laid back, but his stuff is really fun to watch. Um, especially the newer stuff. Cause it's, it's well shot. Um, the guy Babish from binging with Babish, his stuff is really great to watch too. And it, it's just another thing that I think you and I talked about this on the first time I was on the podcast. Like, I worry sometimes that being so drilled on football and being just, you know, constantly consuming football media is going to make me like a fundamentally boring person. Like I'm going to go out, going to go out on dates and, you know, girls are going to ask like, what what are you into? Well, I'm into football. It's also my job. It's also all I, you know, consume media wise that I'm going to be this just like, yeah, this boring person. So I think venturing out into cooking and consuming a lot more, cooking media, I don't listen to any like cooking podcasts or anything, but watching videos on YouTube and being able to talk about that and, you know, being able to cook for people that come over or something like that. It makes me a more interesting and enjoyable person to be around. Um, even if I don't know every damn thing about the NFL, because I'm not just, you know, injecting it into my veins all day. Right. Which, uh, you know, it's not, uh, it's not the worst thing ever, but on that note, Matt, how can people engage with your work over the offseason? What are your plans? Are you bringing reception perception to this uh, this rookie class? Yeah, well, I don't work for the NFL anymore, so I don't have access to all the film that I used to. So I don't know what I'm going to be doing with the rookie class in terms of wide receivers, but reception perception will definitely be back. Um, it is a bummer that it looks like it's going to be a really good wide receiver class. Maybe we could figure something out. I don't know. Um, but reception perception will be back. I'll be doing it on pro wide receivers like I always do. Um, and again, trying to learn more and more about the position and how to study these guys that are all doing such different um, tasks at the position. That'll be back, and I'm sure we'll be cooking something up. It's it'll be an interesting off season. I'll, I'll say that. Um, and yeah, you can just follow all my stuff at, on Twitter at Matt Harmon underscore byb. And if you want to see me cooking things too, that's where you can find it on Instagram. Same handle. Beautiful, Matt. Thanks. Uh, thanks for joining us here. Thanks, man.